Welcome to my second episode of Rolling with Ray podcast. Today I will be interviewing a gentleman by the name of Jim Walgren. I have known Jim the past 40 years. He is an advocate for people with disabilities. He's actually an author of a book called The Last Tackle. I first met Jim 40 years ago on the college campus of the University of Texas in Arlington. We were both in the rigorous wheelchair track and field program. We both received our college degrees and our actual college letterman jackets and athletics from UTA. Jim is married to his lovely wife, Janet. He has a set of twins, uh, John and Aubrey. Jim is an avid uh, traveler, likes to travel. He's a sports enthusiast. He is a retired engineer. And like I mentioned earlier, he just wrote a book called The Last Tackle. So it's my privilege and my honor to have Jim Walgren on my podcast called Rolling with Ray. Jim, good morning. Morning, Ray. Uh, thank you for having me. And uh, uh, like I said, we've known each other a long time. Yes, sir. So we're going to go ahead and start off, Jim. So uh, can you describe or, or tell our listeners or, or our audience uh, how you became a quadriplegic? Yeah, sure. And uh, in the spring of 1980, uh, I was making a, a play playing high school football uh, in Garland, Texas, a suburb of Dallas there. And I broke my neck making a tackle on uh, another player and uh, had a, a spinal cord injury at my C5-6 level. And uh, it's pretty much a uh, complete injury, so I'm paralyzed from the chest down, uh, similar to you, Ray, and uh, been, uh, been in a chair 42 years now. Wow, it's unbelievable. It's, you know, the longevity that you've lived in as a quadriplegic, forty plus years is just phenomenal. Jim, uh, do you ever? Do you? I'm just curious. Do you ever uh, uh, have any contact with the guy who you made that last tackle with? No, I, I really, I really haven't, Ray. I, uh, uh, I knew the fella. He was on my team, but we weren't real close. We didn't really hang out in the same circle of friends and. Uh, uh, but, uh, you know, it, it was one of those things that he was playing hard and I was playing hard. And, uh, uh, you know, when you're that age, uh, you know, we're just trying to, trying to get in front of the coaches to get noticed. It was a big 5A high school and a lot of kids in that era played, uh, played football or baseball was the two big sports in texas and uh so uh now I, I i really haven't had much contact uh or at all really uh ever since the tackle i i did try to reach out to him one time uh while i was in the hospital uh, uh just to express those uh, sentiments that uh we were both just trying to trying to make a play and uh uh I, I never held uh, any uh, any ill feelings whatsoever. Great. Thank you, Jim. Uh, the reason I'd ask that question is because uh, 
I know I get a lot of questions, you know, with uh, regarding my accident. They always want to know, well, whatever happened to the guy, or do you still talk to the gentleman uh, when you had your accident that was driving? And I just tell them, yes, uh, we're still in contact and we're still friends. So there's no animosity or anything like that towards towards that individual. Jim, uh, can you can you describe how you, uh, how you must have felt when you're in that hospital bed, not knowing your future? I know you were in a bed called a striker bed. Uh, you know, I was on a bed called a rotor rest bed, which rotated side to side every 15 minutes to prevent uh, bed sores or um, uh, or uh, or any uh, blood clots. Can you describe what the feeling is, and can you tell our audience what a striker bed is? Yeah, well, uh, the the bed that I was on because I did not have. Uh, the fusion surgery that uh, they do a lot nowadays. Uh, I had, uh, I was on a striker uh, frame, is it what they, uh, what they called it. Uh, it was just a flat stretcher type bed. And after my accident, uh, they placed uh, what they call a set of tongs into the side of my head, which put traction uh kind of looked like a horseshoe it went on either side of the right above the the ears and uh, uh, they're screwed into the head and weights are attached to pull that neck out in traction uh, and then they slowly release the weights as the uh, if the bones are, are uh, the, the uh, cervical uh, uh, disc are healing and uh, they redo it. I don't know if they do that much anymore. I don't really know what the uh, techniques for stabilizing uh, broken necks are. But uh, when I was uh, at the time when uh, uh, I got hurt, you know, it was a fairly common uh, procedure. I, I know a couple other guys over the years that had uh, spinal traction. So uh, the pain was excruciating, uh, putting it in. And, you know, I, I was just barely 15 years old uh, when I got hurt. And being in a hospital environment like that was totally new to me. Uh, to be honest, it was, I was scared as hell. Uh, and uh, I kind of describe in detail in the book just exactly how I was what I was going through and what I was feeling during the whole process. And it was, uh, so, uh, Jim, uh, so you're actually laying on your back and then the striker bed, they actually flip you. And now instead of looking at the ceiling, you're actually looking at the floor because yeah, all your body's I mean, strapped, was, correct? Yeah. You, you get, uh, kind of like your roto bed that was adjusting for, uh constantly moving you to prevent pressure pressure sores and circulation and so forth the striker frame kind of worked in the same manner except they had to manually flip you like a pancake uh just rotate you all the way around uh while the while the tongs and the 
uh, weights are attached, there was a swivel, kind of like a, a fishing swivel that uh, uh, that would swivel with the bed. So it was, uh, uh, I could painful, remember. Painful, I bet. Yeah, it was. Very and, painful. Uh, you could You could feel when they flipped you around, you could feel every shock and every vibration going through the cable and the, and the weight. Jim, um, can you describe some of your uh, challenges you have encountered? Like you graduated high school and then you went on to college. Uh, you can, can you describe some of your challenges that you encountered even at the college level or even after college? Well, you know, Kind of like you, Ray, it's just uh, we got hurt in a time when ADA wasn't there. Uh, buildings weren't required to have ramps and access and entryways. And uh, so, uh, you know, we, we went through a lot of kitchens to get to, get to tables or uh, uh had to be popped over curbs. Uh, uh, those facilities that had ramps either just did it on their own or uh, or they could have been loading ramps uh, to get into buildings. So that was quite a challenge. Uh, right after high school, I went a couple of semesters to junior college up in the Dallas area. Then I decided to move over to UTA. And, you know, to my parents' credit, I, I was driving uh, and uh, I did move away. And I'm sure that was hard for them, but allowed me to, to make my own mistakes and my own decisions. But, it, you know, it was, it was very challenging in an era when... Uh, uh, disabilities, especially uh, uh, people in wheelchairs, were just uh, uh, kind of out of sight, out of mind type errors. So we had to kind of push through that. And uh, you just can't buy into the bullshit, I used to say. Sure. Uh, so, Jim, Jim, can you... Um... You know, we were both at uh, UTA, and um, we were both in the rigorous uh, track and field program, which was known nationally. Uh, we, I know we traveled all across the country and competing in wheelchair track and field. Can you describe to our viewers what, uh, what like a typical workout was like and how demanding it was from our coach, who was Jim Hayes, uh, you know, God rest his soul, uh, he really pushed us to the limit. But uh, can you actually uh, tell our viewers uh, how demanding and how physical uh, the program was? Yeah, UTA was a really a unique program. And you and I were lucky that we lived in it, you know, so close to it. But Jim Hayes held us to a pretty high standard. Uh, as far as uh, workout demands, uh, we would all load up, you know, uh, uh, assemble at a building, and, and he had staff there to help us 
transfer into our track uh, wheelchairs. We had workouts five days a week. Uh, I, I bet we pushed 50, 60 miles around the, uh, the track on the outside parking lots and uh, oh, the story uh, I, I tell the story to you know when I go speak I, I tell the story about the the days that it was cold and raining and we would think that oh man great we're not gonna go work out but we would actually be out there in those conditions when it's you know raining or whether it's the, you know below freezing I mean we'd still be out there pushing our five ten miles a day uh, just to, to get that endurance and, and that workout in. And, and it was very grueling. And I, I can remember those days and uh, like it was only yesterday. And um, we were, yes, you are right. We were very fortunate uh, to be in that type of program. Uh, you know, I think that's one reason our longevity of being in quadriplegics for 40 plus years is because of the, our stamina and our endurance that we endured. Uh, those during those early years uh, of of our of our life, Jim. Uh, yeah. Thank you and uh, for, for sharing that story. Um, I know you're married to the lovely Janet, and you have a set of twins, John and Aubrey. Uh, can you tell us how and where you met Janet? Uh, of course, I know the story, but uh, I think our our audience would love to find out. Yeah, well, you're, you're part of that story of, of us meeting. Uh, I met Janet in college. She was one of the volunteers, uh, actually part of her grant program, uh, was helping us with our wheelchair track team. And uh, we started dating in, in college and uh, uh, kind of the rest is history. We've been married 34 years now. And she's only known me uh, in a wheelchair. And, and uh, we had uh, twins, uh, John and Aubrey in 1993. Of course, they're, now they're, uh, uh, they're grown and my daughter lives in Seattle and my son lives in San Antonio. But uh, uh, audience. Yeah, I was, to, to our audience and viewers, because uh, there's always this stigma that people that are paralyzed or that are in wheelchairs cannot have a family. You're a living example of that to where, you know, you were paralyzed and y'all actually conceived a set of twins. So uh, that that's a phenomenal story. And uh, I know uh, your set of twins and uh, they're they're what they're in their late early 20s mid 20s now uh, upper 20s upper 20s uh, they'll be 29 I'm, uh, my son said i'm getting old i said well if you're old i'm getting older <laughs> yeah yeah that's a phenomenal story jim um you know you're talking about you had your accident uh during playing contact sports if your children came up to you and said, Dad, I want to play football, or uh, would you let them play contact sports? Well, uh, you know, I, I did go through that dilemma with my son, not exactly that way. I, I thought about that for a long time. And I've had parents ask me, especially mothers, uh, 
you know, should my son play football or contact sports? And, you know, football is a contact sport. There is a risk. Uh, uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily think, uh, I fully appreciated or understood the risk when I was growing up, but I think if you put ankle weights on me and, uh, uh, whatever, I'd drag myself because I, I just really, everything I, I was drawn to the, to football, you know, even though I played baseball and all, uh, it just had all the elements that really, uh, made me, uh, want to be out there and play. But, fortunately my son was musically gifted and he went into band and and uh I always tell parents you know I can't really tell you what to do or wouldn't want to influence your system uh, your decision but I think whether it's it's band or or football or baseball even chess or debate uh, having your kids involved in extracurricular activities, uh, uh, I think, uh, is healthy regardless of which endeavors, which passion you want. It could be writing for that matter. I don't think I fully appreciated that when I was a kid. Uh, so uh, I, I see it now as a parent. So you wrote this book uh, that's right here on my desk called The Last Tackle, and uh, I've read it several times, and it's a real phenomenal story. Um, I'm not going to go through each chapter, but can you tell us uh, uh, what inspired you to write this book? And uh, you know, and you know, if my viewers want to get a copy of that, where they need to go to get a copy of that. But uh, can you just maybe cover some of the highlights? of your book called The Last Tackle? Yeah, sure, Ray. The, uh, uh, it was kind of a, a pandemic, no excuse. Uh, I've always had the book in mind of writing it. And then uh, uh, the, uh, uh, when the pandemic set in, I, I felt I had no excuses. But you know, just like your story, Ray, a lot of us that came through that UTA program ended up really what I call pretty successful. The, a lot of us had careers, whether it was in insurance or parks and recs or, or system engineer, like the route I went. Um, I felt, you know, there was a good story there. And it wasn't easy getting there. We had uh, significant challenges that we had to overcome and face uh, going through that through that time period. And it doesn't matter whether you have a disability or not. Everyone is going to face adversity at some point in their lives. And at that point, uh, you 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 can kind of develop this avoidance of failure or choices that you want to make uh, to uh, respond to that adversity, and uh, sometimes you have to step into something that's very uncomfortable, and a lot of people un avoid uh, uncomfortable situations at all costs. 
So I thought with the book, uh, my story and, and telling about um, different situations that I faced that uh, could help people feel more comfortable uh, of, of facing those challenges. I, I don't know if it's ever comfortable, but uh, sometimes you have to uh, uh, fail a lot, uh, learn from your mistakes on those failures and uh, step in a little bit un uncomfortable. And hopefully, hopefully the book and my story uh, uh, can inspire people to, uh, uh, to keep trying, keep fighting and uh, get through those adverse times of adversity. Awesome. Well, it's a, it's a phenomenal story. And where can the, uh, the viewers uh, pick up uh, a copy of your book? Uh, it's available through all the, you know, Amazon and uh, Barnes & Noble, uh, mostly the online platforms order it books. I did self-publish the book, so... Uh, it's it's available in all the uh, uh, just about all the retail outlets and uh, just the last tackle and well it's, uh, it definitely it definitely is a great book I've read it several times and uh, it's just a phenomenal story uh, Jim uh, you know we've been quadriplegics for forty plus years you know uh, fifty years ago sixty years ago that was unheard of. So what do you contribute your longevity of living so long as a quadriplegic? Well, obviously, uh, you know, you're, you're right behind me and you know, and we've talked about this for years. Um, we had a phenomenal, great support system and I feel very fortunate. Um, you know, it, it kind of touches me that uh, the, the kind of support we've had over the years. Um, you and I had special relationships with our father uh, that uh, uh, was really helpful. My dad really stepped up in a big way uh, to help me. My parents in general, my mother, uh, you know, I, the example I gave and just the courage they had to, to let me live you know, my life. And uh, uh, I think a lot of that longevity is you try to support, you try to surround yourself by people that uh, a lot of uh, why you can't do something. And, and it's like, let's figure out how we can. And I've, I've traveled, I've converted RVs and boats and uh, all those kind of things. Uh, and I couldn't, couldn't have done it without people willing to step in and help. As you as you know, that's uh, that's a big part of longevity. And uh, and you know, like I said, you can't uh, you can't shy away from failure because I've made a ton of mistakes. Uh, I've failed at a lot of things, and uh, uh, you chalk them up. You try to learn from them and move on, uh, move forward with your life. And uh, I won't say it's been easy. Uh, I've had my down days, but uh, I feel like I've had a, uh, a pretty good gift of 
vision the way I want things to be and how to get there. And you do that by surrounding yourself with uh, positive people to get there for you. Well, you definitely you definitely have faced adversity and you've overcome your injury and, you know, had a successful career, family, uh, you know, that, that's just an awesome, I mean, you've lived life to its fullest and, and very proud of you that what, what all of you've accomplished and what you've done. Uh, Jim, one last question before we, we wrap it up. You know, if uh, did, for our followers and our listeners out there, <clears throat> what would you give one advice to, to, uh, to people who are going through some tough times? Well, you know, Ray, uh, I've always cherished our friendship. Uh, I got to say, you're the you're the first, uh, really the first guy, quadriplegic guy in a wheelchair that uh, we've become real good, best friends over the last, you know, 40 years. And my biggest advice is uh, uh, adversity happens to anyone everywhere. None of us are immune from disability and, and uh, that. And, and how you respond to that a lot of times is up, up to you. And uh, uh, it's... Uh, it's a hard, uh, uh, it's a hard thing to learn and, and go through, but, uh, I've always tried to look and I've always gotten through those times and, uh, I know it's going to be okay. Uh, one thing I didn't count on is when you're young and, and so forth, you don't think about the older when you're getting older and and so we're feeling those effects earlier in life uh with the 43 years of paralysis and uh but uh, i always i've got a few circle of friends that really understand what we're going through day to day and uh i consider you right on top of the list well jim i i, I jim i really appreciate that uh, thank you so much for being on my my podcast, Rolling with Ray. You're actually my first guest, uh, but my second episode. So I really appreciate you being the first first guinea pig to be on my on my on my show. Um, so thank you very much. Tell Janet hello and the kids hello for me, and Gus and and your mom. Tell everybody hello for me. Uh, so that's the, that's the edition or, of this or the episode of uh, Rolling with Ray. Uh, make sure you follow me on my YouTube channel, uh, Instagram, uh, Facebook, and again, Rolling with Ray. Until we meet again, thank you so much.